Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. We help in that aspect, but we also do this radio show. And of course, just talking about estate planning gets a little boring. So we like to branch out and talk about issues that involve our society and um, our community and the nation that we live in and how we can be aware of the ideas that are going around and uh, applying to us on an everyday basis, both in politics and in just social issues. And one of the big social issues that I think there is, it's, it's a boogeyman that a lot of us kind of don't want to acknowledge, but it absolutely exists, is this idea of DEI. So when I say the word DEI, I want you to think about that. Does it, do you place that acronym and, and attach any meaning to it? Because what it actually means is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so the, it, it's a woke ideology, and the, the underlying argument is that there should be the same amount of people in each organization, corporate organization, government organization, that represents the population of the people of that community. So if a community is 30% black and 50% white and 20% Hispanic, then the government organizations should have quotas to have at least that many black, Hispanic, the white not so important. And uh, so that's what DEI is. And, it, and it's worked its way very well and is deeply established into our universities. It's working its way into our lower education, um, as far as lower education, that sounds bad, but um, our primary education, like K through 12. And uh, so what we're seeing is that diversity, there, there's this quote out there, diversity is our strength. Diversity of ideas. Well, how is that so? If I believe that gravity functions a certain way and, um, and I understand Einstein's theory of gravity and we use that, that mathematical equation to get rockets to space and, and, and um, satellites into orbit, but somebody else has an idea that uh, gravity is totally different, right? Why do I want that diverse idea to come in if, if it's provably incorrect. It's, it's, it's not diversity. It, what I'm trying to make the point of is diversity in and of itself is not a good thing. If I'm coming out and I'm saying, hey, um, in order to achieve, let's see here. I want to, can you think of an example of, of, of an obvious way? In order to achieve financial security, you need to spend less than you earn. And then we say, well, hold on, hold on a second. Let's, let's, let's explore that a little bit. Why don't we give some time to the person that says we need to spend more than we earn and then let the government pick up the rest or just file bankruptcy and let you know all of our creditors pick it up? Let, let's talk about that instead as... as that's an idea that we should all entertain with the equal amount of weight as far as a philosophy that we should be teaching. No, 
That's not a good idea. There are some things that are right and wrong, and it's not a good idea to give equal weight and prominence to bad ideas. But at least you heard both ideas. At least one idea wasn't silenced. Yes, and that's where freedom of speech comes in, right? But we we don't need to go out there and hire somebody that believes that what they should do is run up their credit card debt and then file bankruptcy every seven years, and that is how they run their life, and that's how they're promoting that other people should run their lives as well and teach our children that ideology for the sake of diversity because it is a diverse idea. And, of course, I'm getting in, you know, beating around the bush a little bit, but it's, it's with this idea of more than two genders. Well, that's a different idea. And for people that believe that there are more than two genders, that would be a diverse person. And so we should, in the, in the name of diversity and inclusion, bring them into our school system and teach our children that not only is there more than one gen or more than two genders, but that the, that the sex that your child was born may not identify properly with their gender. And they need to question that and, and, and throw their whole little mind into a tailspin. So that is the question is, is diversity actually a good thing for its own sake? Now we played um, on a previous show, a clip of, uh, people that were interviewing students on the campus of Florida University. And um, the question was asked, do you think that diversity is a good idea? Do you think there should be quotas for people that get into Florida University based on the demographics of our community? And the, the general response was yes, right? If there's X amount of Hispanics, there should be that many Hispanics attending our university and blacks and uh and whites, and so on and so forth. So he said, okay. And then they showed a picture of the football team. And they said, Do you, does that look very diverse? And of course it wasn't. It was prominently black players. And I said, do you think, how many black players do you think should be kicked off of this football team to um, fit the narrative of diversity and allow more Asians and Hispanics and white players to be on the team? Which one should lose their position? And the students quickly changed their tone. And they said, no, well, you know, I think the best player should play. Yeah, skill-based at that point. Right. And they said, well, why is that different for universities or, or job placement? Why should somebody get a job based on the color of their skin? And uh, that, of course, sounds racist because it is racist. So um, let's play a clip. You know, Rob Snyder... He's been one of those that's kind of broken free of the Hollywood woke um, cult. And uh, he jokes about this. So let's play that clip. The CEO of United Airlines last month, the CEO, he announced of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year, all the hiring for the new pilots, the main focus is going to be diversity. <laughs> what? <laughs> diversity? Not the best pilots you can find. <laughs> the ones with the most hours of experience. Things you go before. No diversity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time. <laughs> Boring. Adam. What's your take? Diversity? Well, as you're talking, uh, a few things came to mind. So I think diversity, 
is the antithesis of the American spirit. And the reason I say that is because this nation was founded on hard work and grit. We are the underdog in history. We should not have been a nation. We should not have won against one of the greatest dynasties of all time in our in our world history, the British. But we did. And the reason why we did wasn't because we had a certain amount of racial diversity in the midst. The reason why was because we had, but all underdogs had, mental toughness. We had uh, strength. We put in the hard work. And ultimately, I think all underdogs have to have some sort of amount of heart to get them over the line and win that game or win that fight. And uh, when you throw diversity into it, in my opinion, this is it's going to create a lazy person that is not willing to put in the hard work, use their heart, be mentally tough to get that job done. And we don't want that. I don't want that. You don't want a pilot uh, that is in that pilot seat because of their race or because they we wanted to meet a quota. I don't feel safe. You shouldn't feel safe. I mean, if I, I, I think of one of my all-time favorite movies is Top Gun, the original, right? And you have a class of some of the best fighter pilots on the, in the, on the planet. And uh, it wasn't, you, you had to prove yourself in combat and in these drills in order to rise to the top of the class. They weren't looking for so many black guys or so many white guys or so many Asians. It was, it, you're either the best or you're not. And that's, that's the mentality we ought to approach most of life with is the cream of the crop rise to the top. And you know this, Sean, you're a, you're a farmer, right? You tell us and you remind us this all the time. There is a pecking order. I say that because you you have like, I don't know, a thousand chickens, right? Is that right? 60. Oh, I thought you were... <laughs> surely I thought you were up to a thousand. You're not yeah. as good as a chicken farmer as I thought. No. So, uh, Sean, when you're observing your chickens, are there chickens in your flock that rise to the top? I mean, there's a reason why we use the word or this phrase, pecking order. In the animal kingdom, there is a pecking order. And you see it, especially because you're raising these chickens now, right? Yeah. You've got some at the bottom that get picked on. They're, they don't get the food before everybody else. You got the ones in the middle kind of vying to be to the top, but you got the top dogs as well that are getting all the food. They're bigger, they're better, and that's the pecking order. And unfortunately, Sometimes that's just how it is, and it ought to be that way. And no matter what the government tries to do, it's always going to be that way. That for, is for that successful is reality. societies. It will be that way. Societies have never been um, represented by an equal amount of whatever the social dynamic is, so, because society is broken up by a lot of different um, social substructs, right? There, there's cultures that make up society, and those cultures tend to push towards different um, careers and and um, and different skill sets. So I, I don't think that um, the NFL has a majority of black players because they are racist against white individuals. I think that there's some culture push that emphasizes that athleticism and, 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 and performance level and 
that's what they get. They get very good players that happen to be black. And I, I want the best players. As a fan of the NFL, I want to watch the best players out on the field. I don't want to see a set of diverse players. I don't want to see transgender. I don't want to see um, Korean or I don't want to see Hispanic or white just because they represent some portion of society. I want to, I want to see what's the best. And the same thing with um, the banking world and the same thing with Hollywood and the same thing with the legal field until more recently where the, the universities have been indoctrinated with the best qualification that you can have to get entrance into law school is if you have some, some diverse characteristics. And I think that is totally backwards. We got to go to a break, but when we come back, I want to explore this idea a little more. Sean, you've got some ideas about affirmative action, which is going to what you're talking about. And, um, I want to see what your take is on that now as you've lived your life a little bit more. Um, And so we're going to go to break. This is Life, Death, and the Law. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson, and I'm having a conversation with my pal, my buddy, Sean, um, and we were talking about DEI policies and, and uh, how they are detrimental to our nation's culture. But yet that seems to be what the government is currently pushing. When I say government, I mean the federal government. And I know, Sean, when you were going through schooling, when you were going through the university program and all this kind of stuff, it seems to me like we've had conversation like this years ago. And somehow in that conversation, affirmative action came up. And affirmative action, I, I, I think I remember you advocating for it, that you were for affirmative action, and I don't remember why, but is that, was that a correct take from our conversation back then, or no, am no. I wrong? No, So just for our audience out there, we want to define DEI. It's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so every time you hear DEI, because you will hear it a lot, and now that you know it, you'll, you'll pay attention to it. It's kind of like when you buy a car, you see much more of that car driving on the highway. It's out there everywhere, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what it means is that it's a policy that strives to um, have diverse uh, group of individuals in every aspect of our lives, especially in education and government. And that diversity in and of itself is the end goal. And my argument is that should not be the end goal because that's going to result in a very weak government or very inefficient, if you can imagine a less efficient government than we currently have, (laughs) and a a very poor education system because some ideas are just bad and we should hire based on merit, not on color of skin or gender or race and ethnicity and so on. And so the question is, do I agree with affirmative action? Affirmative action is the policy where individuals who are in minority groups get selected in a priority um, status because of their minority status. And so if there are 10 candidates and um, let's say that there are eight of them that are white and two of them that are one's Hispanic and one's black, then um, they're going to look at the ones that are minorities, Hispanic and black for providing the the, the um, entrance into or admission into the university, and it's, it's actually more. It's a little bit more than that. It, in fact, they're going to change the rules. The rules are different for 
those that are of a different race. Am I yes. correct? So, so, no, and yeah. so I'm, yeah, I'm saying without, without even talking about test scores at all, just saying if there are 10 people and that was the makeup of those 10 people, they're going to look at those two criteria first and make sure that they've, they've checked those boxes of having their um, quota for the minority. Then they'll look and make sure they've met some minimum standards for scores. And, and if those minimum standards aren't met, then we can start uh, labeling these uh, tests as racist and discriminatory so we don't have to abide by them anymore and, and allow us to meet the minimum standards for the quotas. So... At one point in your life, were you not for this? I thought you were. Yeah. So, it, 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 no, I, I, I wasn't for it. I was never for affirmative action. Um, in fact, I wrote um, a lot of op-eds when I was in undergrad against affirmative action. I started my education here in Yuma, Arizona. And um, in, in Yuma, you apply for a scholarship, at least when I was doing it in, in the year 2000 when I started. And... Uh, it didn't matter. They didn't ask, are you white or Hispanic or black? They just, you applied and you showed what merit you had and you would get the scholarship. And so it turned out that I was able to get a full ride scholarship to AWC. And that was great. It was hugely beneficial to me. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have mentors helping me to get into the higher education system or pay for it. And so I needed to go through community college to kind of learn the ropes. And, and they, didn't, they didn't judge me based on my race or my sex. But then I went to Colorado. And Colorado was a different experience altogether. I assumed when I walked into the resource department at Colorado State University that it'd be the same. And I said, I just need all the scholarship applications that you offer. And they said, well, for you, for a white male, they're over there. And that was the first time that I was introduced into affirmative action or racism in the college campus. Now, they call it reverse racism, but racism is racism. If you're basing a choice off of race, off the color of your skin, then that's racism. And so I, I argued against that, and, and I started writing some articles on that, and I felt strongly that that was um, not the American way, that we should, that, that's, that's not the Martin Luther King dream or the American dream. And I think that's, if you want to understand woke, first understand the dream. What was the, the principles that the founding fathers wrote out in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? And it was all that we all have rights that are inalienable. And uh, the government is there not to grant us our rights, but to protect our rights. And uh, when we get back to that, um, oh shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Just give me a second; it'll it'll warm up again here. You said that affirmative action is not the American way. Oh yeah, so a lot of people look at the individual behaviors of the founding fathers, they find faults with them because they're human and they did have faults. They weren't drafting a constitution and, and a groundwork for who they actually were, but who we aspire to be. And that is a, a sacred document because we do aspire to be people that see all men as created equal with 
having these rights and that the government should keep its hands off our rights and um, we only allow the government to, pr- to do certain things to protect our rights. And so with affirmative action, it's the complete opposite. It takes away that American dream. It takes away the dream of us all be given an equal opportunity to make our voice heard, to work with our own mind and our own bodies and acquire our own achievements and then keep those and, and be the owners of that achievement, that property, that uh, business that we own and whatever it is. Now, when you wake up from that dream, that's being woke. Waking up from that dream means we no longer want equality, we want equity. And there's a big difference between equality and equity. And that is what I found in the university system, that they wanted equity throughout anybody that applied, not equality and an opportunity for anybody that applied. Um, Bill Maher actually points this out pretty um, cleanly in this interview that he does on his show, um, he, it's with Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders has been a longtime advocate of equity. And Bill Maher kind of holds, it, holds his feet to the fire as to whether or not he even understands what that means and whether or not that's a just cause. Let's play that tape. Differentiate between equity and equality. Bernie Sanders, who has pushed more of this socialist nonsense on America than virtually anyone, and by the way, the revolution will eat him and it will be beautiful, uh, but you may remember this, Bernie Sanders, the socialist in America with three houses, uh, here is Bill Maher asking him the difference between equality and equity, and he doesn't even effing know. DEI, are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because... I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality, that it's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. (laughs) Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome. Is it not? I yeah, think- I think so. I think that's okay. Fine. So, which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Everything that Bernie Sanders has put into the American system, and Bernie Sanders has run for president on the platform of equity. He didn't even understand, or when pressed on the issue, he didn't agree with the true concept of equity, that it is fundamentally unfair to give somebody who just chooses to flunk out of high school regardless of their intellectual aptitude and go down whatever path, drugs, video games, whatever it is that they don't, they, they choose to do instead of being a hardworking, productive citizen and say, well, equity, they need to have the same outcome instead of equality. And that is, that is what wokeism is. It's diversity, regardless of who deserves it, equity, regardless of whether they put in the effort or not, and inclusion of all ideas, regardless of how insane and stupid those ideas are. We got to go to break. 
This is Life, Death, and Law. We'll talk about, Sean has some Taylor Swift news or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's going to surprise us with. We'll be right back. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner with Decent Garner and Hanson in studio with Adam and Cody. So I want to talk a little bit about the similarities that I see between um, Taylor Swift and Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously in the press because... Well, a lot of different reasons, but last week was the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think one, one of the similarities is you can't look anywhere without hearing her name or seeing her face, right? She's everywhere. Not in my house. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got a poster right above your bed. Not, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I don't. Of Donald Trump got, or Taylor I've got four little girls that adore her. Yeah, so. well, and my and daughter does too, and my wife, and I actually have two daughters that adore her. Um, anyway, so she's famous for writing songs about her poor choice in men and um among other things i suppose (laughs) so yeah well she's famous for good she sings well right and my daughter the songs are good the melodies are good um i got no problem with that i i think that's fine but um as an individual i don't think that i'd want my my daughter basing her life choices on um, the character of Taylor Swift herself, the individual. And I think that's similar to Donald Trump in the fact that uh, he's everywhere, right? You can't get away from him. You're going to see his face everywhere. You're going to hear his name constantly. And um, I don't want my children to base their life decisions from his character either. So if you had personality traits showing in your children of either Taylor Swift or Donald Trump, you would try and correct both. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But the, but the point is, Taylor Swift is good at what she does. She's good at entertaining. And Donald Trump is good at what he does, at least for the people, and that is running the country. And so I'm okay with my kids listening to her music, and I'm okay with Donald Trump running the country. We got to, I would prefer somebody that was a family man that uh, was married once and and had a a perfect nuclear family and you know everything went smoothly in his life of course very few of us can exemplify that but there are some out there i think that ron DeSantis is is a good example of that i think um vivek ramaswamy was a good example of that i think there are a lot of people but nonetheless donald trump is very good at being popular and inspiring people and he has proven that he can run the country well and that he can deal with foreign powers well, that he can maintain the peace. He's proven that. And so I like him for that. And so Adam, he loves Taylor Swift. And you know what? That's okay, right? Your words, not mine, but... No, your words. You're Swifty. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But uh, I think you're right in the sense that uh, I've seen this actually play out in my life. So when my wife and I were re- first married and we're expecting our first kid, the decision comes to name that child, right? And at the time, we were living in Phoenix, going to school, and the Phoenix Suns were doing pretty well. And they had been doing pretty well in the early 2000s. Um, And at the time, they had Steve Nash as their point guard. And uh, I love Steve Nash. I love the way he played. I love his style. I, I thought he was a good guy. And so I thought, well, let's name 
our son after him. Like, let's put that as his middle name. Nobody will know, really, but us. And it's, I think it's a cool name anyway, Nash. I thought it'd be cool. And she's like, no, I'm not going to name our kid after somebody because inevitably they're going to let you down or they're going to do something. And now you're stuck with his name. I'm like, you're so dumb. We need to name him that. It's so cool. But she won, obviously. And uh, so we didn't. And I mean, looking back, I don't know of anything that Steve Nash has ever done to change or sway my opinion. I think he made some political remarks way back when. And I'm like, well, I don't really agree with oh, that. Oh, don't tell me because I love Steve Nash. No, I don't think it was. It wasn't really a lot. It was, I don't, it was after he was already retired and he's playing soccer or something in New York. I don't remember exactly, but I was like, ah, I, I don't like the what he said. But um, anyway, it wasn't like this big... You know, he came out and said some outlandish things, and then we're like, oh, we hate Steve Nash now. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. I'm just saying, inevitably, when you place your faith or your opinion-making or you base yourself in, in somebody else's opinion or your perception of them and them being a, a great hero or person, you're, you are going to be let down. And uh, I think you're exactly right, Sean. We, we should not use others as our litmus test as to how we build our foundation. And we have to actually do that ourselves, not rely on a Taylor Swift to tell us what to do or who to vote for. Yeah, and it's scary how much um, influence Taylor Swift has. I mean, just look at the NFL. Because she's, she's dating Travis Kelsey, and so many people love her, want to see her face at the game. And so the female population that uh, is now watching the NFL has just surged. And even to the point where there's some conspiracy theory out there that the NFL is rigging the game so the Kansas City Chiefs made it to the, to the Super Bowl because they wanted the viewership there. I don't, I don't know about that. But um, the whole point is here, we can like an individual or hate an individual and then look at their policies and their outcomes and say, okay, you're doing a good job, so you get the job. You're doing a bad job, so you don't get the job. As an individual, I don't like you. I don't like your personal life decisions. That's not going to base my decision on whether or not you get the job. In fact, our firm is made up with a very diverse group of individuals. And I think we disagree on a lot of things. But we, we, we work together very well because we're respectful to each other. And number one is we respect the freedom of choice to run our personal lives the way we think is fit for ourselves, but we bring our professional performance to the, the, the workplace, and we hire solely based on merit. And that's why our, our company privately is able to succeed despite the taxes and all of the regulations that we have to um, contribute to the government. So what do you think about that now, going back to this diversity question, because we started out with DEI, um, and, and before I get your final opinion on that, I want to play one more clip from Bill Maher. And I like Bill Maher so much because he's famous for being a left-wing comedian, but he's more of a, a political commentator-type co comedian, and he, bl he brings in um, politics in a way that's funny, so it, it's it, you can listen to it without having that pit in your stomach. And, and he also has stayed true to his his base, which is the '90s version of what Democrats used to be, instead of this extremely left, woke, crazy left version. Cody, play this interview with uh, Joe Rogan, 
who is also a, a 90s Democrat, but has stayed true to his base and, and, and not followed the woke craziness. And he's interviewing Bill Maher here, and um, he, he kind of flushes out really what the issues are. I think they look at you like a guy who they're worried about because you don't toe the line. They should be. Exactly. You are, you're like a 90s liberal. You're like liberals back when they were more reasonable before they became leftists. And now every liberal kind of has to be a leftist. It's not, it's not, if you want to be on the team, you got to subscribe to the most fringe ideas that the team is promoting. I have always believed, as liberals do, for example, in a colorblind society, that the goal is to not see race at all anywhere for any reason. Yeah. That's not what the woke believe. They believe race is first and foremost the thing you should always see everywhere, which I find interesting because that used to be the position of the Ku Klux Klan. If you, Bill Maher, and you, Joe Rogan, if you... The little quib that he throws in at the end is, is, is priceless because it's true. The Ku Klux Klan could care less who you were as long as you had the right color skin. And, um, of course, they're a horrible group of individuals. And I would not want to be associated with them in the least. Of course, they were founded um, by the Democratic Party and have always been fought against by the Republican Party. But th that is in the past, and both parties have moved on. I acknowledge that. But it, it is worth noting um, but you know, this whole diversity, equity, inclusion, you've got to be aware of it. DEI, that is something that is so important to be aware of because policies are being based on this. Your children are going to educational systems that are hiring based on this diversity of ideas. And so if two people that have somewhat equal talents are interviewed and one is a transgender individual and one is, believes in the fact that they, there was no mistake when they were born, their their sex matches their gender. Well, that that's normal and that's old school. And so we're going to get the person that's diverse in there and your kids are going to come home. If life wasn't hard enough, well, it's just going to get a whole bunch harder because they're going to be really confused and uh, they're not going to be learning math and science. They're going to be learning that there's a new pronoun every day. Yeah, if you're upset about Common Core math, like this is next level. <laughs> right. Common Core is like which brings us into I know. yeah. Please teach them Common Core <laughs> right. instead of this. We we give up. Just go back. Go back to the Common Core. Nobody understood. I'm like, just watch YouTube and figure it out. The math problem. Like, I can't help you with that. They asked me for help with their homework. I'm like, <laughs> I got nothing. Past fifth grade, yeah, I don't even try because then my kids lose respect for me real quick. My son's in a math class at uh, in high school, and he told I don't even know what it's called. I'm like, that's math. I don't I don't even know what, I don't know what that word is. I don't know. Don't you just take like algebra, geometry, pre-calc, you know that kind of stuff? He's like, oh no, it's uh, this blah blah blah. I'm like, I don't know what that is. What is that? He's like, I don't know either. I don't want to be in that class. I'm like, dude, just go back to normal math. What do you need? These math, all these weird maths. You need the credits. Why I mean, to graduate? I mean, they they stack it that way. You know, you need so much. Back in my day, you just took math. You know. Yeah, and 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 talking about our school systems, we have invited um, the superintendent 
for... Oh, now you're getting into this? The, well, we have. And the Yuma, <laughs> we have, The yeah. Yuma Union School District to come on about um, why he disagrees with Tom Horn that we should have boys and girls bathrooms and uh, the sex that, that you were born is the bathroom that you should use. I don't know why it needs to go beyond that. Or play or, or participate play. in sports to which your that, 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 sex was legally assigned at birth. And it's not even legally assigned, it's biologically assigned by God when, when you know, you're, the two cells started multiplying, or the cells started multiplying, right? Yeah, that's another issue, but I mean, on, on the birth certificate it says something. It does say something, yeah. And it's not like, you know, the, the doctor held up the baby and took a look between the legs and said, well, let's flip a coin here. <laughs> you know, there, <laughs> was, there was an indication, Shit, well, clear indication as to whether or not you were a boy or a girl. Yeah, we'll and, figure that out in eight to ten years <laughs> when they tell us. Right. So um, the the idea that the school district now needs to hire an attorney and spend the funds that they say they don't have for athletics and actually academics to get that an, an, an attorney's opinion as to why we need to make this a more complicated issue is beyond me. But we've asked them to appear on our show to, to answer that question, and they haven't. And uh, instead, they've offered their attorneys to appear on our show. So we'll see. We'll see if we talk with their attorneys um, in a, in an upcoming show. Yeah, I mean, so if, if they can call in or come in, we'll, we'll take that? We'll have that conversation. Awesome. That's all the time we have for this week. We will talk to you next week. This is Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.